It is the 200 level episode 296, Mike Carpenter in the basement on this Wednesday evening, a very Indian summer-like day, 72 or 73 degrees. It was sunny and got all the yard work done before the weekend. I want to take care of everything, so Thursday and Friday, I can really prep the tailgate. And it's going to be another big one, so if you want to stop by and say hi, lot 31, 50-yard line closer to Oak Street, Alani flag, and yes, we will still fly the green Michigan State flag. My wife is an alum, got a buddy that's a Michigan State alum that's coming in as well. So yeah, I got to you know give them some props, and I have no beef with Michigan State. I really don't. I didn't before I even met my wife. There was nothing that I really had against that school, though they've fallen on some hard times in terms of the extracurricular activities. Oh, and the Larry Nazar thing, whoops. So as a Michigan State fan, you weren't probably feeling too good right now, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I don't think Mel Tucker is a very good coach, and Tom Izzo seems to be very bullish on not adapting to the new college basketball landscape. We'll see if that works for him. I'm not sure. And their athletic department and really their university leadership is a mess. As an Illini alum, Illinois alum, I can relate to having a president and chancellor in flux and never feeling like you had good leadership, though it feels like finally... The University of Illinois as a whole might have good leadership across the board, and I think that goes all the way down to Josh Whitman as athletic director. And now that we have two revenue sport coaches in place that have you feeling very confident. Now, I'm calling this podcast Home Sweet Home. So far, it's treated this Illini football team very well, and let's just lay it out there. It's all there in front of them in the next 13, what what is it? 11 days, right? Two games in two weeks at home against teams that you will be favored against. 16 is the spread, I believe, for the Michigan State game. I would actually consider taking Illinois minus 16. I do think this is a game they can really take control of, and they're they're seeing this Michigan State team at the best possible time after Michigan State had a particularly emotional week, and not in a good way, up at the big house. And then, oh, sorry, I got an update here. <laughs> so, Real quick aside, Costco had these football cakes from Junior's Cheesecake out in New York. And before homecoming, Kara and I were getting all the tailgate fixings. And we thought, ah, shoot, we should get that. Nah, we'll wait until the Michigan State game. I just got an update. Costco is out of the football cakes. Gosh darn it. Okay, so back to the games at hand. Back to the more important uh, things than a Costco football cake. Michigan State, I think that spread is about right. I really do. And even if you were to take the factor of them just having played Michigan and the tunnel incident out of it, I still think that would be about right. Their best defender, whose name escapes me, so I'm not really doing a lot of research on these guys. I'm being honest. Their best defender is out, along with seven other players. I think four of them might be defensive starters, and that's a defense that has struggled at times this year anyway. And then on the offensive side, they don't have much of a running game. Peyton Thorne is okay, but... um, It's not a Casey Thompson, Trey Palmer situation um, that you're going to have with Peyton Thorne and Keon Clark. See, here's the thing. Listen to me. I'm throwing names out and clearly indicating I've not researched this Michigan State team. Is that cockiness? I don't think so. I think it is a confidence more in this team and what they've done so far that they tend to just take care of business and not even in a way that leaves you nervous in the third quarter and especially the fourth quarter they take care of business they get a lead and then they keep it because of a dominant defense a really good running game and a quarterback that throws like two incompletions a game that's this weekend but I kind of view this as a package deal and certainly it's one game at a time for the team and I'm sure they're approaching it that way but as a fan base let's be honest that we are looking at these two games as kind of a one-two punch and I hope beyond anything that we look back on these two weeks, years from now, as fondly as I think we will. Michigan State and Purdue give Illinois a chance to clinch the Big Ten West on November 12th. I don't even know how I'm going to make it through next week, assuming Illinois gets the job done against Michigan State, and notwithstanding the Iowa-Purdue result, which I think will be a tight game. I like that a physical team like Iowa gets a first crack at Purdue and hopefully gets them a little battered and bruised before they play us next weekend. But it's right here in front of us, and I don't know if you could ask for more favorable matchups at home in November. 
Michigan State is a team and a program that's reeling, and you know my thoughts on Mel Tucker. I don't think he's a good coach, and I think the contract was a big mistake. It was interesting listening to Jeremy Warner's podcast with Graham Couch from uh, The Athletic, I believe, and he still covers Michigan State. And Graham Couch made some decent points about how you need to give Mel Tucker time, and that's all well and good. However, sometimes you just get a sense, a vibe, let's say. Ron Zook was someone that was able to accrue talent, but I think we all had our leeriness about him as a game day coach and really a program manager, a CEO. Ultimately, that was his downfall. Mel Tucker, I think, will be able to get talent. I think Michigan State will never be wanting for athletes, but will it ever cohere into a really solid football program year in, year out? I don't think so, and it doesn't help them being in the Big Ten East. It just doesn't, though divisions will probably be done away with in 2024 realignment of some kind. So this Saturday, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's my confidence? I don't want to go 10 for any game because football is a game that's played with an oblong ball. There are weird bounces that happen. Norm McDonald made a joke that the one sport he did not bet on, and he bet on everything, was football because it's not a round ball. Now, I don't know if there was much science behind the fact that the shape of the football makes it that much more of a fluky game, but listen, it can happen. And even for a team playing as well as Illinois, if everything goes wrong, sure, they could lose on Saturday. And Michigan State does have some playmakers. We have seen the defense sometimes give up early touchdown or scoring drives. So they are not perfect, but no defense really is. The numbers would bear this out, that Illinois' defense will keep Michigan State somewhere around 13, 14 points, right? And even as I say that, I think that the offense for Michigan State is probably comparable to Nebraska. So why should I believe that this defense is going to give up double digits against them? I mean, the last time they gave up double digits at home, you can't really fault them for the second touchdown that Minnesota got. And I'm looking at it much more in perspective of this defense has yet to allow more than one touchdown in a game to an opponent at home when you factor in the kickoff return from Minnesota. So maybe thinking this is going to be some 30-14 to or 30-13 to game is silly because that's assuming the defense has its worst game at home so far against this Michigan State team. When in actuality, I think that it could have one of its best games. The secondary will keep everything in front of them, and Peyton Thorne will get hit. And the running back, I don't even know his name. And uh, (laughs) all that is to say, I think you're going to be good. So on a confidence level of 1 to 10, I'll go 9 because it just seems like this team knows what's in front of them. I've never had this sort of quiet confidence in a Illini football team. Maybe in 2001. um, And as that year went on, they found ways to win games. And they had a couple of big ones, like the Wisconsin game at home over homecoming weekend was a big one against a ranked team. Penn State in November, which I think is going to be kind of similar to these next two games. Illinois was, I think at the time, 7-1 and one when Penn State came to town. And we're all thinking, maybe we get a Florida Bowl. That was my hope, was get to the Outback Bowl. Penn State comes into town in 2001 with Joe Paterno, an, a sub-500 Penn State team that was struggling at the time. And they take, I think, a 20-6 to six or 20-7 to seven lead at halftime. And there was a kind of leeriness going around the stadium. And yet, very quickly in the third quarter, the offense scores. I think he gets some stops. There's a late interception by Eugene Wilson right in front of us on the sideline. And you go 8-1. and one. Now, there might be some moments like that against Michigan State or Purdue. There might be some scary moments where we think, oh, God, will they actually get it done? But I think in their heart of hearts, they think and they in some ways know that they will as long as they just do what the coaches tell them. And what a remarkable place to be in as an Illini fan to know that the next two Saturdays and most Saturdays, you have the coaching staff that will put your team in a better position to win. Oh, and on top of that, you actually have studs on the field. And I think that's one thing that sometimes goes unsaid because Brett Bielema rightly is getting all these sort of uh, all, all this adulation from the fan base. He's done a remarkable job. But there also needs to be some acknowledgement that there are just studs on this team. The coaching has certainly helped coach them up. But there are some physical specimens, especially on defense. And I'll give Levy credit for that. I'll give Levy Smith credit for one thing. He brought in some of these guys that are helping lead this Illini program to a pretty quick resurgence. He would not have done this. We know that. But the fact remains, he got some of these guys. And now we are bearing the fruits of talent mixed with good coaching. So it's all right there in front of you. This two-week stretch I mentioned before in 07, there was the Penn State and Wisconsin two-game stretch that let us know that that 07 team was for real. 
However, that was early in the season, and you then lost at Iowa and then lost at home to Michigan. So the momentum didn't really sustain itself. Those two weeks in a nutshell were amazing, but it didn't um, have a whole hell of a lot to do with, let's say, when you beat Ohio State in November. That was the signature moment. And really, signature moments tend to happen in November, at least for the programs that matter. Well, here's our November moment. Two games at home that you will be favored in. A lot in this game, and I would say probably six and a half. Seven and a half point favorites against Purdue when all is said and done. And while there will be moments where, you know, the opposing team goes for a longer drive and I'm thinking, oh God, are we maybe going to blow this? I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't have that same Illini Murphy's Law thing that as an Illini fan I've often had. As Illini fans, we became so accustomed with our football team disappointing us and finding ways to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. We've seen that time and time again. And then we got to a point of prolonged irrelevancy and just bad football where you didn't even have those moments that you thought, maybe we'll win this and have it taken away. So you climb out of this hole, and on the other side of it, I don't find myself with any baggage from years past. In chat window, I'm kind of interested to see what you think about this, the mental aspect of this. You know, this podcast often gets macro and the fans' perspective, whatever you want to call it, and I know for me, many years past, I, I would wait for something bad to happen for an Illini football team, even in a year that might be going better than what you expected. But I have no such fear with this team. And it's, it's an odd feeling. Maybe this is exactly what the Iowas and the Wisconsins of the world felt like the last 20 years, where any given football Saturday, they felt as if their team was in a pretty good chance to win as long as they did what they did. And that's where I'm at. It's a feeling of calm and, most of all, fun. When I wake up Saturday, it's going to be, what a great day we're going to have ahead of us. Full day of tailgating, football game at 2.30. I got a weather update from Shambana Weather coming up in a bit, which I think you will be quite happy to hear um, as some trends have made Saturday look a little more palatable for tailgating and, and the game itself. I'm going to wake up at the crack of dawn or well before the crack of dawn at like 4.30 or 5 and just be ready for a day that I am fairly confident will end with an Illini football win and an 8-1 and record and one step closer to the Big Ten West title. The team knows it. They feel it. And there's something just spilling out of that Smith Football Center and Memorial Stadium that seemed to indicate to me that they're going to grab this opportunity because they know what it is. There's a lot of veteran guys on this team, and it feels like if they need to will themselves to win in either one of these, they will find a way to do that. But the encouraging thing is, how many wins have they had to will themselves towards this year? When they've been as dominant as they have been, it hasn't been so much a question of will, it's been about execution. And they execute and execute and out-execute the opponents at a remarkable level. So all that is to say, as we're about to hit the sponsors here, all that is to say, I'm feeling good. YouTube live friends, let me know two things here. Mentally, are you still dealing with that feeling that the bottom is going to come out or the, the rug is going to be pulled out from under us? And secondly, how confident are you as we enter this two-game stretch? Home sweet home, I call it. The two-game stretch to win the Big Ten West. You could not draw up a better script. All right, let's hit up the sponsors real quick. DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. They have custom zones with any topping you could ever dream of. There's also some of their favorites like the Maui Wowie and the Buffer Zone. You can order online at dpdoe.com and they will deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Maybe get a celebratory calzone. I keep talking about them. How, how about you get one after the game? You know, Dad's Day means all the restaurants are going to be packed to the gills. DP Doe can give you some piping hot calzones to celebrate an Illini win over the Spartans. That is dpdoe.com. Also, Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior projects. These guys are the goods. Expert craftsmen, great customer service, and they're townies like me, and they give back to their community. So... I appreciate that and, and feel lucky that these guys are supporters of the 200 level. Why not get a free quote today for any home exterior project by going to rectorconstruction.com? Let's see here. State Farm agent Brian Hansen. Online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy and he can be your guy as well. We have homeowners and auto from Brian. We've had that for a couple of years now. Probably seen him in the tailgate lots on Saturday. And I know he's probably as excited as any of you are for this Illinois run. Why not give him a call today or visit online at brianismyguy.com. You will get great State Farm prices, as you would expect, and it's really the customer service that 
has made him just invaluable to Karen and I. So I uh, cannot recommend him enough. Personally speaking, Brian is my guy.com for State Farm Agent Brian Hansen. Finally, Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing. You can give them a call today at 217-841-4728. Yes, it's football campfire and s'more season, even though right now it is an Indian summer outside. But it is going to get cold. And in fact, even next weekend looks to be getting a little chillier, a little more seasonal, which means before you know it, your furnace is going to be working overtime. So you should get a furnace check today by calling 217-841-4728 for Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And rate and review us anywhere you find us, especially Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All right, I have a weather update. Have not done this before on the 200 level, but an old friend of mine from Urbana High School, Andrew Pritchard, is the guy who runs Shambana Weather. Shambana Weather is the best place you could ever hope to go for local weather updates. And I've found this out years and years of, you know, a a blizzard's coming. Who do I follow? I follow Andrew and Shambana Weather. And more often than not, it's going to be more accurate than Naki Weather or something like that. He runs models with all the, the equipment that he has. He is a trained meteorologist. He knows what he's talking about here. So he has an update. Yesterday, he tweeted out that it looked like some impact weather on Saturday. We knew the wind was going to play a factor, and it might still have a factor. We didn't know about rain, though. And it did look as if there'd be some scattered stuff on Saturday. I got a full weather update, first time ever on the 200 level. Here we go, from Shambana Weather, which, by the way, you can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, wherever. I know on Twitter, it's at ShambanaWX. And they'll have up-to-the-minute weather updates on Saturday when you wake up for the tailgate. This is from Andrew. Okay, there has been a definite trend over the last 24 hours to speed this storm system up. That means the front... Uh, Sorry, I lost my spot here. That means the front slash rain sweep uh, through earlier in the day, improving game day weather conditions. It will still be a bit on the blustery side. Wind gusts 30 to 35 miles per hour out of the southwest. So from the horseshoe and across. Strongest winds and rain are now being forecast to sweep through early on Saturday morning with improving conditions through the day. Temps probably upper 50s to lower 60s. Skies may even be clearing up by game day. We'll see if things slow back down a little, but it's been a consensus trend with all of the weather models to speed everything up and get the worst weather out of here by game day, aside from blustery winds. Good news all around. Again, that's Shambana Weather at Shambana WX on Twitter, and they're on Facebook and and all those social media apps. He does daily updates. He does three-day outlooks. He does five-day outlooks. And I'm sure he'll have updates as we get closer to the game. To be honest, my biggest concern was, well, twofold. One, no lightning delays. I don't want the game to be impacted or stopped at any moment. I don't want it to get weird. I know that, you know, even Andrew was talking about it. It would be nice if it was raining and then, you know, Chase Brown can just run. And yeah, listen, you would totally win in that situation. I don't think you need the help from Mother Nature, though. And there's something about inclement weather that things just get wacky. I don't need to get wacky. I just want to win. Second thing, tailgating. You get a 2.30 start. You get a sold-out crowd. That means the tailgate lots are going to be that much more full of excitement on Dad's Day, no less. I don't want that to be tempered with a lot of rain. A little bit, people will be fine, but just not a washout. And as he had said yesterday, uh, it was not going to be a washout. It was going to be periods of scattered rain, maybe a storm. But the good news is it looks to trend much earlier, and we're looking early Saturday morning, and that matches up with uh, Weather Underground. I've checked a few other weather apps. It seems to be trending earlier. Good news. Um, Or it might even be nice for the game. Windy for you folks on the east side. I feel lucky that we're on the west side and we'll be blocked from that southwest wind. Kara and her family got southwest side of the horseshoe. I think they're going to be blocked too. And most of the horseshoe, I think, will not get the brunt of it. But the north end zone, ooh, those students are going to be pummeled in the face with wind, as will those in the east stands. Yeah, and it'll impact the kicking game for sure. And it'll impact the passing game. And I think that that's a net positive for Illinois when you consider they need Peyton Thorne more than we need Tommy DeVito to throw for 250, 300 yards. So that's looking good, and I'm feeling much better about Saturday. Got the tarps and everything, so we're going to block the wind at the tailgate, have fun, I'm excited. All right, and uh, Andrew is in the house in the YouTube Live, so welcome, Andrew. And let's see what all you folks, folks, excuse me, are thinking. Okay, Big Toda. 
says, I was stunned today when a good friend of mine who happens to be an Iowa fan told me today that he would trade their coaching staff for ours. Big Toda, it's like we're living in a bizarro universe. And that would not be the only fan base that would probably say that. I want to say I was listening to Jeremy and Jay Lehman, and they do podcasts every Monday. Must listen if you haven't already. I'm guessing a lot of you do. And I think that Jeremy made that point, that Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, maybe even Minnesota fans would say, boy, uh, we'll take that staff down in Illinois. What's encouraging to me is that when Brett Bielema was hired, my hope was that we got a guy who knows what he's doing, and maybe he's learned a few things in his time away from the game that will help him be, I guess, more mature, or whatever you want to call it, because that narrative persisted that Brett Bielema was some sort of prima donna or something. Well, we haven't really seen that here at all. (laughs) If we are, as he said, getting the best version of Brett Bielema, I I can see that. I know it might sound a little bit hokey, but... I believe it. People change, they they grow, they mature, and the guy is a damn good football coach. The numbers bear that out, and certainly here. This, so far, has just been a remarkable turnaround, and I keep on mentioning the word sustainable. I do think that there's a sustainability to what he's doing and how he's doing it, and also this kind of serendipitous melding of Bielema, the, the matured coach, and the fact that he's adapting to the name, image, likeness, transfer portal, going to hit some Juco guys as well. You can get talent in football far quicker than ever before. And after a year like this, what a sales job it's going to be for them. And do, do we dare say reload instead of rebuild? Later in this podcast, I'm going to finally hit on the 2023 schedule, which I haven't done yet. But I think regardless of your roster, you feel pretty good that they'll get enough to make a bowl game for a second year in a row next year, and maybe more than that um, because it's a very favorable schedule and it seems like Bielema and the staff know what they're doing. All right, this is from Joseph. I just want to enjoy the season. Uh, Joseph, I wonder if I missed something before that. Yeah, Um, I've been seeing this refrain and I think sometimes we need to stop and smell the roses a little bit. I'm doing that the best I can because I don't have a whole lot of tension in a weird way. I really am at ease in just enjoying this ride. And Joseph, as you said that, I wonder if you are just enjoying the season or if you're starting to pucker up a bit, let's say, because I wonder how many fans are, now that we are this tantalizingly close to winning the Big Ten West, I wonder how many fans are starting to tighten up a bit. I've been waiting for it. I kind of tightened up in a weird way before the Nebraska game, but only because we had to wait two weeks for the team to play again. It's like absence didn't make the heart grow fonder. Absence made me more nervous because you forget, oh, right, this is how good they are. I think you can be at ease, Joseph. If you aren't already, I I don't want to read into it, but I think you can be at ease that this team, in fact, is just really good and that they seem to have the mental component in addition to the physical. They're a smart football team. They're a disciplined football team. And there have been some games where they've turned the ball over more than they should. But for the most part, uh, they're playing clean football. And, and really beautiful football, if we're being pretty direct about it. I mean, this is a team that is built on strong line play. And it's not built on flashy wide receivers. It's built on a very incredible uh, running back. But even as good as Chase Brown is, his bread and butter is the yards after contact. This is a, a bruising running back that just so happens at breakaway speed. And you don't find that very much. And then a defensive secondary that behind that dominant line is just teeing off just teeing off, getting interceptions. I still go back to Quan Martin just pushing down a Nebraska receiver or tight end on Saturday, just pushing him down. Oh, it was beautiful. This is from Keith. Now I find myself waiting on the other team to make the big mistake. Keith, exactly. The Nebraska game. Honestly, when they missed their extra point was when I thought, oh, we're fine. Isn't that weird? Or just an extra point. Instead of being 10-6, to 6, it was 9-6. to 6. And I thought, oh, Nebraska's still going to Nebraska. And there will be other moments in this game where they will Nebraska. It's the same way I say Detroit Lions are going to Lion. Well, that's what I was thinking about Nebraska, where for years and years I thought, oh, Illinois is going to Illinois. They're going to Illinois this thing, right? Screw up. But with I'm with you, Keith. I am finding myself waiting for the other team to make the big mistake. And more often than not, they are. Often, kind of, you know 
hastened, hastened on by Illinois' defense, forcing that issue. And actually, even offensively, they're forcing defenses into making mistakes too, whether that be pass interferences like the Wisconsin game. Some really good play calls and good leverage from wide receivers led to extra opportunities on the goal line. Chase Brown uh, making the big plays and the yards after contact he is. You could argue that that is a mistake from the other team, not just bringing the running back down, as good as Chase Brown is. So yeah, I continue to go into these games thinking, the other team is going to make more mistakes. And the exception to that, of course, was Indiana. And I think there's value in that having happened. I do think that not that this team needed a reset that early, but you could argue that because they have not been a winning program, maybe they needed a quick reminder in game two that you can't mess around with this. Like there, there's no nothing you can take for granted. And that's how they've been playing ever since. This is Big Toe to 78. I still find myself with a big feeling, a horrible feeling in my gut. But generally, by the end of the third, I'm feeling good. But I'm still scared to get overconfident, but it's getting better every week. I had a moment against Nebraska Big Tota where I even started to think, well, if you lost this game, it really doesn't change a lot because you beat Michigan State, you beat Purdue, and you beat Northwestern, then you still got it, right? I started to play that game when it was 9-6. to six. Far too early to do that. Um, but I, I, I even had that little pit in the stomach feeling that it's not fun. But it very quickly went away, and I think two things, Big Tota, in the last uh, couple games have really reset me. Well, let's go three games. The Iowa game, that entire 60-minute game was an exorcism of a lot of demons. I, I will continue to go back to that game long after the season is done as a turning point for me and how I consume the games at Memorial Stadium, and maybe outside of Memorial Stadium, too, where I assumed a few times in that game that it was going to go the other way. And it didn't. And somehow, at the end of it, you won 9-6. to six. It, To me, it exercised demons of many disappointments in the past where Illinois had these just back-breaking moments. Like Art Sikowski fumbling it and a fumble return for six. Eh, nope, just kidding. He was down. Total catharsis, that game. But Minnesota, returning that opening kick in the third. Uh-oh. I even saw Isaac Ambrose. He was roaming the stadium and said hi to my dad and me. And we looked at each other. And, and I immediately, to kind of maybe, you know, keep myself from getting too angry, did this thing of, well, let's see how they respond to adversity. That's how I pivoted. Well, certainly they responded well. They dominated the rest of the way. The game wasn't in doubt after Illinois went right back down and scored a touchdown themselves. And the Nebraska game, down 9-6, to six, you immediately get the ball back, go down, score, get an interception, go down, score, game over at halftime. So, uh, yeah, Big Tota, each passing week, you say it's getting better every week. I agree with that. Keith, let's ask some someone in the YouTube live feed. He asked, what is the average score of our games? There haven't been many close games. Keith, I'd love to see that. I, I should pull up the cumulative stats, but if anyone else out there in YouTube live land can do that, I know if you Google Fighting Illini cumulative stats, you'll just see the, the average score. That'll be the first one when you look at team stats. If I were to guess before I look at the actual stats or someone pops in the chat window, I would say Illinois, I think they were averaging 27 points a game and their opponent is like nine. I, I, I think it is basically the Nebraska score was your average. I'm going to say 27 to nine is the average score, which if it's anywhere close to that is remarkable. Sean uh, says, Sean on NYO48 says, I feel confident as long as Tommy is healthy. Solid 7.5. Um, yeah, if Tommy's healthy, isn't that the difference? I mean, he has been absolutely remarkable and, and changed the entire complexion when you have a quarterback you can count on. We haven't had that to this level since Kittner. You know, earlier this season, there were comparisons to Nathan Shieldhouse. That was fair because Nathan had a couple good years. Juice was juice. He was an athletic freak. But just as many games as you could count on, and there were games where he just laid an egg, Tommy, week in, week out, is just steady. But more than steady, he's really good. I, I don't want to downplay it. He's just really damn good. Uh, let's see here from Andrew from Shambana Weather. I've lost the Murphy's Law feeling, but it's been replaced by this anxiety and desire to win. I don't think we'd lose or didn't think we'd lose when there was early adversity versus Nebraska, but there was this new come on, guys, vibe. Andrew, I was texting with Isaac and Trevor, and Isaac, it cracks me up because he still gets fired up. I mean, he's he's like I was at that age, you know, 10 years earlier, 10 years younger, where, you know, now for me, 10 years ago, Illinois football was a non-factor. 10 years ago was Tim Beckman's first season. Ugh. And Illinois basketball was just sort of toiling in obscurity with Bruce Weber. 
But I do know how angry I used to get. And it is funny how success breeds that. Come on, guys. It's like, I know you're better than this. Quit messing around. And for me, the Nebraska game in that first quarter, because it was not a good first quarter, was, okay, let's pick it up. Let's wake up, guys. I don't think it was a question of them waking up. They just weren't executing. And I think the offensive play calling was suspect in a few key moments. But from that second quarter on, it, it was game over. I mean, it was just pure domination. So, yes, there will probably be a couple moments even in these next two weeks where there's, come on, guys. You know what I would love, though? I was actually thinking about this on my run today. There is a chance they just come out the next two weeks and kick ass, right? There is that chance. Now, this team, their version of kicking ass is like the Minnesota game. And that even had a scary moment in the beginning of the third quarter, or maybe even the scoring drive when Ibrahim was just running crazy well against our defense. It was kind of shocking, actually. But you still kind of kick their butt. I mean, the box score, you outgained him 3-1, to one, and you know, time of possession was 40-20. to 20. There is a chance the next two weeks are just like that. I mean, Minnesota is certainly better than Michigan State. It, you know, I'm not going to do the transitive property thing, but Minnesota absolutely kicked Michigan State's ass. And is Michigan State exponentially better than they were four weeks ago when that happened, five weeks ago? I don't know about that. And then Purdue and Minnesota, I think they're alike in terms of how dangerous each of them are. Minnesota dangerous because they're balanced. Purdue dangerous because they can throw for 400 yards a game. But there is a chance the next two, you just kick their butt. I wouldn't hold it past this team. I would not. I, I really wouldn't. So we'll see. But yeah, I think you know where, how I'm going to be picking the next two weeks. I've probably let that cat out of the bag in the first 30 minutes of this podcast. Uh, this is also from Andrew. No longer a, eh, well, whatever. Here we go. Time to lose 42 to 7. It doesn't matter. I'll take a nap. I've had many of those, Andrew but a full-on emotional investment in their second-half adjustments. And that's the thing, uh, Andrew, that is absolutely remarkable. You know, we use the word adjustments, and I just throw it out. I don't know necessarily what the adjustments are. If you ask me what did Ryan Walters do, I would have to listen to his press conference on Monday to see exactly what it was. But whatever it is, they're adjustments because, as Jeremy found this stat, the time of possession in the second half is even more outrageous than the game time of possession and you have had the ball for 50 more minutes in the fourth quarter alone that's winning time that's icing the clock and they can't stop chase brown and if it comes down to a third and five tommy devito's converting complimentary football and adjustments those are terms that get thrown around so much even by me what do they mean well we know what complimentary football means because this team is like the the template for that we have an offense that's pretty darn good but it's not about scoring 40 points a game. It's about getting a few touchdowns and then keeping your defense fresh. That's the thing down this final stretch, everybody. You got to keep this in mind. Defense is healthy. Defense has been on the field a lot less than most defenses to this point. Every minute played on the field, it it builds up. I got to think. And the way this defense plays so violently, I got to think every minute's that much more taxing physically. Well, they're rested and ready for these two games at home and healthy for these two games at home. It sets up beautifully. I mean, honestly, I'm at a point now where my bigger concern on Saturday is not the win or loss. Obviously, that is that is the most important. I realize that. But it's just staying healthy. Win, stay healthy. I think those are interchangeable for me on Saturday. This is from Jared. Jared, excuse me, Jared. November can be a huge month for basketball and football. Yeah. Uh, this is what's so weird, though, Jared. We're going to get to that weekend where I'll be up in Michigan. Me and Kara are going to go up there. We'll get into Ypsilanti about, I think, 8 Eastern, about, if, the, if my time is right. 8 Eastern, and then I'll settle in for, I think, what is a 9.30 Eastern tip against UCLA? That's that Friday night. But you know what's weird is, as fun as that will be, I don't want to say it's an afterthought, but kind of, I'm there for... I'm there for Illinois-Michigan football, you know? And if we're 9-1 if we're and one and Big Ten West champions... I don't think I could be more at ease watching an Illini basketball game. Oh, look at these new toys on the basketball court. Oh, that Jaden Epps, he's putting in eight good minutes tonight. Oh, we lost by seven. Ah, it's, a, it's all right. I mean, that that's a weekend where the if you said what win is most important to you, well, it's the one that might get you the college football playoff. <laughs> I mean, it's I can't believe I remember looking at that weekend just even a few weeks ago. And that was when it started to creep in that, well, yeah, you, you'll compete up there, right? Like, 
you won't get blown out of Michigan. You're playing pretty good football. But over the last few weeks, all of a sudden, it's morphed into this, that's what the weekend is about. And Las Vegas for the basketball team is almost an afterthought. Crazy to say that with UCLA and Baylor on the docket, but that's kind of where we're at. But (laughs) I'm like giddy just thinking about that. That weekend is going to be two big-time Illini basketball games, and sandwiched in between is the biggest Illini football game potentially since. And, of course, these two weeks are what you need for in order for that to happen. So anytime you're listening to this and you're like, Carp, slow down, I get it. Remember, the team is taking a one-game-at-a-time approach. As fans, we can have a little bit of fun with it. I don't believe in jinxes or anything like that, and I, I will never go so far as to just guarantee a win. But the way this sets up, it does seem like there is a more likely outcome in the next two weeks than the alternative. This is from Big Tota. That comes from what you said about Illinois going to Illinois, learning that this team just plays so much cleaner than what we're used to. Clean is a good word for it. And Andrew found the stats here. Illinois averages 26 points a game offensively, or sorry, just 26 points a game. Though, have they had a defensive score yet? I don't think they have. We're due for that, right? Opponents, 8.88 points per game. So the Nebraska game, essentially, 26-9, to that sums up your season. That's this team, 26-9. to I could see 27-9 to on Saturday. I could see 31-13 to against Purdue. I, and it's the remarkable consistency of that spread. The Iowa game is the aberration, and you lost your starting quarterback. When you're starting quarterback, Tommy DeVito, that's the other thing. I'd be interested to see if you take the 9 and the 6 out of it. And I understand why would you do that because that's that's one of the games. But if you took that out of it, math people, well, then what's the spread when Tommy DeVito has been your starter? And since the Indiana game, when Tommy DeVito has played an entire game, what is the average score in those games? And it's better than 26 to 8, right? I would assume for sure. This is from, uh, let's see, NJ Illini. And NJ, I forget if you're a Yankees or Phillies fan. If you're a Phillies fan, I know Kay Andrew, who pops in here sometime, sometimes, he's at the game tonight, which is pretty cool. So NJ, if you're a Phillies fan, congrats for you. And if you're a Yankees fan, eh, what can you do? I, I feel you. But from NJ, do Chase's minutes and touches concern you down the stretch? Need McCray to regain his mojo. These two weeks, we'll see, NJ. I mean, I think you ride Chase out until you clinch that Big Ten West, and then you have a show-me game against Blake Corum for Heisman votes. I think Chase knows this is his last hurrah. I would assume this is Chase's last hurrah. And he's just going to go for it. And he's as healthy from what I've read. I think he is someone who just takes extreme care with his health and as healthy as a running back with his amount of touches could be. I think the bye week helped. I don't think Nebraska was the most physical opponent he played, so I doubt he was banged up after that one. And I do think that getting McCray to regain some mojo is important, but I think we might need to recalibrate our expectations based on how many touches he gets because if he had any sort of weariness last week, which led to the coaches saying, it's okay, Josh, you know, you go off to the side and chill. If there's any weariness, I don't think you play him that much. I, I just don't. Reggie Love got more carries than McCray. And I think that speaks to this is still a process for McCray. And I think the coaching staff alluded to that this is a long-term play with Josh, too, beyond this year. From Big Tota, I find myself skipping Illini basketball pods to listen to football pods. I've done the same. I haven't talked about Illini basketball, really. Haven't done a predict the season thing. I think they're going to win the Big Ten again. Ho-hum, you know, a year where you could win the Big Ten West in football and win yet another Big Ten title in basketball. I guess this is just our lot in life. Keith says, special teams did score TD in the Virginia game. That's right. What was that, a punt return? I forget. God, the Virginia game seems so long ago. That was a that was an interesting game because at the time, it didn't feel like, oh, well, this is the start of you're going to rattle off six straight wins. To me, it was, oh, okay, well, you got right. Maybe Virginia sucks. And then after Chattanooga and after Wisconsin, it started to say, oh, well, this is what this team is. They're pretty good. And Big Tota says, yes, no defensive scores yet. And Billy says, I'd be okay if we wait until the 19th to cash in on defensive scores. Billy, I don't think you'll need a defensive score until maybe the 19th. And if you get it on the 19th, I would say, oh, I I think you might win that game. But you guys already know what I think about November 19th because I said it in the last podcast. We're winning. Not guaranteeing it. I'm just saying I feel pretty damn good about it. Fumble punt return by Matthew Bailey. That's it. Okay. Thanks, Keith. 
couple of things I wanted to do before we get out of here. Um, okay, I gave you the weather update courtesy of Shambana Weather. And again, follow them at Shambana WX. Andrew's in the house tonight, so I appreciate that, Andrew. I just feel that much better knowing it's not going to be a washout. Yeah, bring your poncho, I guess. But you know, as long as you got tarps up at the tailgate, it'll be just fine. So I'm, I'm excited to get there at the crack of dawn. Even if it's raining early, that's okay. And that it clears up so we just have a raucous environment in those tailgate lots. And I think we will. Pretty cool, man. I mean, you know, we talk so much about ticket sales for the Iowa and the Minnesota games. And after the Iowa game, I was less concerned because the people that are in that stadium are loud. Well, listen, when you had 15,000 people on top of the 45 that are loud anyway, it's going to be cool. I think there's going to be a few chill down your spine moments on Saturday when that crowd noise ramps up. I think seeing the team come out and get a hero's welcome like they deserve at 7-1 and with these next two weeks in front of them, they're starting to develop a tradition there with the garage door that opens. You know, Thunderstruck, I love ACDC. I feel like Thunderstruck's a little bit overplayed, but you know what? Hell, crank it up. When coming out of the South, hopefully that just keeps, amplifies those speaker towers that are in the horseshoe, makes it loud for everybody in the stadium, the fireworks, the pageantry. And here's the other thing too. That stadium, I've talked about it before. It's not a night game, but the sun is going down earlier and even earlier on Sunday. So the Purdue game, if that's 2.30, is going to be half in the dark. Ooh. Can, oh, God. I can't. <laughs> that stadium, when the lights are on, it has this kind of ominous glow. And yeah, we've had a lot of disappointments in those lights, under those lights. But they'll be on on Saturday. I'm assuming it's cloudy and they'll have to be on because by the end of the game, you'll need them. And there's something about the tension ratchet, ratchets up, no matter the opponent. Let's make it a party in there Saturday. I think that's the thing that we need to talk about. It's going to be a freaking party in that stadium, in those lots. You have a lot of people, I think, that understandably were keeping things a little bit at arm's length, the Iowa and Minnesota games. There's a whole lot of show me, prove it to me that that has to happen when you've had this much or I say this lack of success. Now, I was immediately back on board because this team, however they were doing it, it felt different to me. And in my gut, I felt, no, this isn't the same. This isn't a fluke. This isn't a flash in the pan. I'm going to get on board. And it was really after that Wisconsin game where I was gung-ho, like, okay, we're back. And honestly, after the Chattanooga game, it, I thought, and you remember this maybe, I, I said, I think we're beating Wisconsin. I, I think we're just better. And we were a lot better. Wisconsin is probably the second best team in the Big Ten West. I think they're better than Purdue as we saw head-to-head. And I know, listen, it was at Wisconsin. But you saw what a balanced team can do against the likes of Purdue. So, yeah, the crowd noise, man. Curtis, you say I already have goosebumps thinking about the crowd noise. I've been in there when it's been insanely loud. I mean, the Michigan game in 2000, I don't know if that'll be topped because that was an angry, drunk, ready-to-go crowd. It was absolutely insane and rivaled the Bears crowds that came the next year. The Rose Bowl year was great, but you had construction going on in the stadium. The Arizona State game, a lot of fun. But this has a Big Ten title on the line. I have not had yet my 83 Thomas Rooks around the edge moment. And I know you aren't playing Ohio State and Michigan these two weekends. Did you play them consecutive weekends back in 83? I can't remember if you did, but you played them close enough. And those were really consequential games where the fan base said, holy crap, we're the best team in the Big Ten. And that's what you're looking at right now is an opportunity which, against not the best of opponents, but, I mean, you can only play the schedule in front of you. You've done pretty good at that so far. And these two weeks right here can be two kick-ass crowds in a row. You win against Michigan State. You will make a push, and I think the athletic department will do whatever they need to including at the end of the day, just giving the final tickets away to students to make sure it is a sold-out crowd to the brim for senior day and a chance to clinch the Big Ten West. We've seen this team already feed off of that. I thought in the Iowa game in the second half, the crowd was so good. For what it was, I thought the crowd was great, from my vantage point at least. And I know that they appreciated that. I know the defense, whatever lift they needed, not that they needed much against Iowa, they got it. The Minnesota game was just like one big, happy, three-hour, I don't know. I, I can't even find the words for it. I was just blissfully, giddily slap happy, as were the other 45,000 people in those stands. I don't see any reason why it won't be 60,000 people kicking ass tomorrow. 
or sorry, on Saturday. I wish it was tomorrow. <laughs> what if it was today with that weather? 72 and sunny? Well, we won't have that on Saturday, but at least it won't be freezing cold and the weather does look better. Okay, got a few more here. A Big Tota says the kids deserve a sellout crowd and really loud fans. And here's the thing, Big Tota, even if it's not full-on sellout, like there's a few tickets, we're going to look up in the stands and be like, whoa, it looks like a sellout. It sounds like a sellout. And for the kids, it's going to feel like one for these next two weeks. Sean says, what do you think of the chances of playing Michigan twice in three games rather than the ultimate comparison game against OSU and Indy? Well, Sean, you mentioned that. I was texting with Trevor and Isaac today, and Trevor brought up that very point. What if you go into Michigan, right? You lose 20 to 17. Michigan goes into Ohio State. I'm not a convert completely on Ohio State. I know how crazy dangerous that offense is. But there's something about Ryan Day that I just don't trust yet to win every big game that's in front of him. So if you get to Indy and play Ohio State, great. But I honestly do wonder, Michigan, the kind of ball that they play and how much that rivalry means to them, of course that's going to be a good game in Columbus. I don't think it's going to be a blowout in favor of Ohio State. So there is a possibility that you play Michigan twice. And let's say you play them close in Ann Arbor, and then, okay, you get another crack at them two weeks later, a week after they play Ohio State, a rivalry game where they're going to leave everything out there because their college football playoff lives depend on it. And you play Northwestern. Basically a bye week. No offense to Northwestern. I mean, yes, you still got to play the game, but we know how that's going to go. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think that's a good point, Sean. There is a possibility of that. And I don't... I've had all these thoughts in my head about how the rest of the season is going to shake out. I just think it's going to be a really fun November. I have that in my gut. I really do. Keith mentions the 83 throwback jerseys next year. I do love the way the Illini arched over the helmet. I think they need to have one throwback jersey. What I do like is the consistency with jerseys, which I've always been into that. Like, okay, are we wearing the orange? Are we wearing the blue? Blue pants, white pants, all that stuff I've been into. But I like the consistency, and I like not honestly having to think about it this year. Let's just, no special jerseys, no orange out anymore. Let's just play the game. They look great in the blue tops and the orange bottoms and the orange helmet. Looks really good at home. Just do that. Continue to wear the white on white on the road. Easy peasy, right? I think it was white on white against Nebraska. Have they done white on orange? Can't remember. But regardless, I like the consistency. Uh, real quick, well, you know what? Gosh, we're, we're already 50 minutes into this. We're talking about this year. I don't really need to get into the 2023 schedule. I feel like that's maybe more fodder for a different week. I do know it's favorable for Illinois and that their East crossovers are Penn State at Maryland and Indiana. And compared to the other teams, I mean, really the only point I was going to make here, Minnesota hosts Michigan and Michigan State and travels to Ohio State. So that's two losses right there, Michigan and Ohio State. And Purdue hosts Ohio State and travels to Michigan. Two losses right there, presumably. We got a break. And I think you would assume those two teams will be your competition for Big Ten West. How about that? Maybe two years you can make it to Indian Row. But first things first, you got two weeks right now. And this is it. I mean, it's all laid out in front of us, home sweet home, with the goal tangibly, tantalizingly close. You can grab it. And I do wonder, honestly, the way this team has played so far, why not just come out and control these two games from the gun? And nothing would surprise me with this team. And in terms of a positive thing, they've been playing such sound football all year, with an exception to Indiana. But that was so early where you feel like, okay, maybe mistakes were learned early and this coaching staff figured out, okay, well, we just won't do that again. And they haven't. And they haven't even gotten close to something like that and have been dominant in most every single game since. When Tommy DeVito was on the field, and I can't believe I didn't think about this, the Iowa game, he was out there for one quarter. We all know we would have won more comfortably had he been out there for four quarters. But you play the game in front of you, and somehow you still won that with Art Sitkowski as your backup quarterback. When Tommy DeVito is healthy and playing, this is a top 10 team in the nation, the way they're playing. They really are. I know it's top 15 according to the AP. It's 16 according to the college football playoff rankings. But don't sleep on this offense, the fact that they aren't scoring 35 points a game. That's not what they need to do. This offense, I think, is just as effective as a Purdue offense. That while Purdue could go out and maybe get 45, they can also go out and get 10 when they play more physical defenses. So this offense, they can match up against even good defenses. And I think we'll see that a couple more times this year when they have to do that. But for now, Michigan State, they're a team that you should be able to beat. I guess I should give a prediction. 34, so four touchdowns and two field goals, 34 to 
13. I'll give Michigan State a touchdown and two field goals. Yeah. 34 to 13 Illinois wins and covers the spread. You're, you're the better team. Do what you do. And Jay Lehman said this, and I agree with this. You're at a position now where if you just do what you're good at and do it well, it'll take care of itself. What a weird feeling to have. That confidence that, oh, yeah, yeah. Do you. As Matt Nagy would say, be you, but that didn't really go well. I'm going to say do you so we don't get into Nagy territory. We don't need that toxic energy over here. So, yeah, here we are, everybody. It is November 2nd. The game is just in a few days. And uh, you having fun yet? I am. This is great. And uh, cannot wait for Saturday. The next two days of school are going to drag a little bit because I'm just ready. I'm ready to get going. I'm sure all of you are too. So hopefully this week we had two podcasts. I hope that gives you enough content ahead of the game on Saturday. We will not do a post game on Saturday. We got a bunch of friends. We got Kara's parents in town. So Sunday we will do a brunch club down here. Hopefully a celebratory one. And we can talk about an eight and one Illini team with the biggest week in ever. I mean, you know, not ever, but in a long damn time with Purdue coming up next week. Two games at home, games you'll be favored in, games that you should win. So let's win them. All right, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com for all your home exterior projects. That's rectorconstruction.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728 to schedule your furnace check. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. And State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. BrianIsMyGuy.com. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate their partnership. Appreciate you, YouTube Live watchers, viewers, I guess is the word for it, on this Wednesday evening. Thank you to the listeners at home if you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube. We're building up quite a fun crew, and you guys help make this easier. I mean, I don't want to say you guys are basically like my programming directors, but you throw something out in the chat window, we'll talk about it. And you guys give me a lot of good fodder and a lot of good material, so I appreciate that. We'll see you Saturday. Come say hi. Illinois flag, Orange Illini flag, Green Michigan State flag. I don't know if I'm going to be hot flying them as high because I don't want the flagpole to snap. That's the kind of winds we're talking about. But they will be within view, 50-yard line closer to Oak Street. Come say hi. I would love to say hello to you. And let's do this. Two to win at home, Michigan State, Purdue, to make it to Indy. I don't want to have to cancel my hotel reservation. I want to know on November 12th that I'm keeping that damn reservation, and I'm going to be there. And I know a lot of you will probably do the same thing. So let's get it done. I think we will. All right, everybody. We'll see you on Saturday. Podcast on Sunday. ILL, INI, Oski Wow Wow. All that stuff. Normally not my thing, but when you got a 7-1 football team leading the Big Ten West and a chance to clinch it, you're damn right. ILL. All right, it is the 200 level. 